Hey, this is your brother, your son, and your friend in the Lord, Kirby Disvalens, and you're listening to Light of the Day. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to talk about identity. Now, there's many misconceptions of identity. A believer's identity is not found in their past experiences, in their life circumstances, and even their mistakes. A believer's identity is found alone in Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ gave you identity when he died on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 22 confirms it. But many people don't know that identity. So let's dive a little bit deeper on this podcast. Hey, let's talk about identity. Okay. Diving right in, we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21. This is important for us to cover as a topic. The reason being is because there's many people who aren't yet grounded in the truth that they are the righteousness of God in Christ, not because of their works. Your works don't make you righteous with God. Righteousness in definition is to be in right standing relationship with God. The reason why is in the Old Testament it's written in Jeremiah, I believe, where the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags, essentially meaning that your own effort within your own power, your own ability is dirty before God. When you try to make your own effort to do good, it doesn't erase the evil that you do, the evil, the evil that you have done or the evil motives that you have while you're doing what you're doing. But the blood of Jesus does. So let's read what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 has to say. It says, listen guys, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now this is taking our reading from the New King James translation. The New King James Version says in verse 18, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now the word new in the Greek is kainos, and it means new, unused, fresh, novel. The word means new in regard to form or quality, rather than new in reference to time. Verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I want to note that, guys. The reason why you're able to be called a child of God is because that verse 21, he made him who knew no sin 
to be made sin that we might become, keyword become, the righteousness of God in him. When you receive Jesus and you receive that born again experience, when you come out of that water of baptism and that Holy Spirit of God comes and enters into you, you become. It's not that just that you translate from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Because the idea that says that we only merely translate drives the notion that our position is different, but our nature isn't. And that, my friends, is not the biblical truth. The word of God tells us that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Let me personalize it for you. When you came to Jesus Christ, you came as a sinner. And then he's shown you grace, making you a sinner saved by grace. And because of that, when you were born again, and the moment that you came out of the water of baptism and you're born of water and of spirit, the same way that Jesus was speaking of in John chapter 3, you weren't this same sinner saved by grace anymore. Why? Because that sinner saved by grace died in the water of baptism. And that's the saving grace. That you died when Jesus died. That's what baptism represents. Baptism is a representation of you sharing in the death of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, guys. So it lets us know that when you came to Jesus Christ, you became something. The one who went down into the water is not the same one who went out of the water. At least not according to the Bible. When the Holy Spirit entered into you, the Holy Spirit transformed and revived your spirit. Why? Because your spirit was dead. What do I mean by dead? It was disconnected from God. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, Adam more specifically, because Eve was deceived, Adam chose to eat from Eve. In fact, the command was given to Adam. So when God was looking for human, he wasn't just looking for man and woman. The Bible says that he was looking for man. God didn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you? God said, Adam, where are you? Because Adam was responsible. And everyone who came from the loins of Adam, that was you and I, all shared the identity of Adam. We find that reading in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 21, where it speaks about the first Adam and the last Adam. It speaks about how all of our nature, all of our character, all of our identity was all shared, not exclusively by our own individuality, but was coming from someone. And that person was our ancestor, Adam. So if Adam was a sinner, every person who shared Adam's blood are sinners. But the amazing part is there's a last Adam that came. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 to 49, the scripture tells us that there's a first Adam and a last Adam. The first being Adam that you know. The second is Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that, of course, the physical body would precede the spiritual body. When we were first born, we all have a birthday, guys. We all have a belly button to prove that we were born, right? When we were first born, guys... <laughs> We were born into sin. David said that in Psalms chapter 51. He says that he was born in sin. He was shaped in iniquity. But your identity didn't come from you. 
in your uniqueness. Your identity came from Adam because your blood wasn't uniquely yours. Your blood was a shared compilation of your mother and father and their blood was shared by a shared compilation of theirs and so on and so forth until we reach the first couple of Adam and Eve who both sinned, meaning that everyone who has that blood flowing through their veins are sinners. But thank the Lord for Jesus Christ. In Haiti, we have a saying where it's actually worse to become a thief than anything. The reason why is because what Haitians like to say is for me, it's saying that that family does not have good blood. They have bad blood, meaning whatever person has their family's line, the blood flowing through their vein, they're inherently evil because that one person stole from me. If there's a thief, they say that the family of the thief are all thieves. The children, no, don't talk to him because his family is full of thieves. Their blood is not good. Don't talk to the father. And in the same way, Adam's blood flowed through our veins. And if Adam was a sinner, everyone who had Adam's blood, which is all human beings, became intrinsically sinners. Which is why you don't have to teach a baby how to sin. What do I mean? You don't have to teach a baby how to lie. You ask a baby, did you eat that cookie? The baby says, no, but you see the crumbs all over the baby's face. Or on a second note, you don't teach the baby how to spit on a person or how to bite a person. But where does the baby learn it from? Does the baby ever have an adult spit on them first so they understand and learn the concept of spitting as a form of disrespect? Or did it, the baby ever have a person bite them so that they can understand the concept of biting someone? as a form of offense. So how do they learn it? Philosophy calls it the human nature, but the Bible calls it the sin nature. But like I said before, thank God for Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless and perfect life. He came in the form of sinful man, but he was born from a woman by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus does not have any earthly father. And if you did not know, some people say that even 99% of the components of your blood come from the uh, paternal side. Oh, sorry. Yeah, paternal. Is it fraternal? Paternal. And this is important to show that this, Jesus did not get his blood from a man. He was born of a virgin. And that's the gospel message that he was born of a virgin. That's one of the prophecies that was given. And he came in the form of a sinful man. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 that he humbled himself. Although he was God, he did not see equality with God as something to be grasped. So he humbled himself and he came in the form of a lowly servant. And he became obedient. Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And the Bible says, for that reason, God has exalted him and gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. That's Philippians chapter two, verse five to 10. But let's go a little bit deeper about identity. As a believer, Jesus didn't just die for your sins as mere and plain as that sounds. Jesus also died as you. 
before God, when you come to Christ in faith, God sees that when you sinned, he already punished it. When? When he did punish it? Did he punish it on your body? No, because your identity wasn't hidden in you. Jesus came and took your place. Your sin was imputed to him. And what he did is he gave you his. You're a co-inheritor with him now because he imputed his righteousness into you. And that's the mystery of salvation. It's identity switch. Just like the Pharisee, the high priest Caiaphas said at the time, where he said, it's not meat for all the people. I mean, it's not good for all the people to die. For one man, but let one man die for all the people. And he was prophetically speaking as the high priest that year that Jesus was going to die. So now when you come to Jesus Christ and you're born again, the Bible says that you're not just born of flesh, but you're born of the spirit. Essentially meaning you're not just born from first Adam, you're now born from last Adam. The first Adam was from the ground. He was made from the dirt. The second Adam was from heaven. He was made from the spiritual things of God. So now you don't take your identity anymore from the first Adam. Why? Because that Adam died. That side of you has died. What do I mean? The Bible shows that you're a new creation. Your spirit, the moment that you come to Jesus Christ, your spirit is transformed and your spirit is, I'm going to wait for it, perfect. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in your, your spirit. Your spirit is regenerated and it's now righteous. It's holy and blameless, which we're going to read right now in Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 and 23. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 and 23. Read along. It says, I'm going to start from verse 21 for those of us who want to get context. It said, and you who were, who were once, sorry, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now, present tense, he has reconciled, verse 22, wait for it, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Boom. God presented you through Jesus Christ to himself as holy and blameless and above reproach. Why? Is it because of anything that you did? No, it can't be anything that you did because your righteousness is as filthy rags. So what could it have been? The blood of Jesus. Let's give you some definitions. Righteousness is to be in right relationship with God. And the, price, the process of being made righteous is justification. Where Jesus brings you to a state to where, if you want to remember what justification is, just as if I never sinned. Holiness, which is to be set apart. The process of holiness is sanctification. Holiness is the fine china of heaven. The same way that some people have fine china where it's set apart for special purposes, special uses, special privileges, special people. That is you. Confirmed in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, which we may go to a little bit later. The Bible says that you're above reproach, above bl blame in his sight. Why? Because now that you're born again of the spirit, God is able to look at you in his love and his mercy. In the way that he told the people of Israel, he said, I will have mercy on who I have mercy. Because of Jesus Christ, God has chosen to give you mercy. The court of heaven, it's seemingly rigged in your favor if you stay steadfast. What do I mean rigged in your favor? Because God is not a... A person who treats other people differently. But what I'm trying to say is this. 
The lawyer in your case is Jesus. The judge in your case is your lawyer's father, God, and your father now. The adversary in your case is Satan, and he's defeated. It seems as though you may be rigged to win. But what is the condition? Kirby, what do you want me to know? Verse 23 is what I want you to know in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. It says, if indeed you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Super pivotal, super important. When you stay steadfast in Jesus, Jesus said in John chapter 15, where he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll produce much fruit. You can even ask what you will and you'll have it. Why? Because you're not asking in your own name anymore. You're asking in his name. He gave you identity. The word name in the Greek is the word anomo. Let's say anomo, everybody. Anomo. Come on, say it. Anomo. And the word anomo in the Greek means in the character and likeness of. So when Jesus says, say in the name, in his name, in the name of Jesus, when you pray. Think of it as you're standing in his character. You're standing in his likeness. Think of it as you not just praying to him, but you praying as him. Why? Because he gave you his righteousness. So when God answers you, it's not because, hey, you weren't being too naughty this week. Hey, you seem good enough. No, it's because of what Jesus did. So you can build your faith, not on your own works, not on your own salvation, not on your own righteousness, but on his. Would God do it for Jesus? And God would do it for you. It's just like the Bible shows in 1 John, which says that he, who, he said, do not be deceived, little children. He who practices righteous is righteous. He who practices righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous, meaning even as Jesus is righteous. That's an amazing thing, an amazing thing to say. So Kirby, who am I in Christ? I can tell you one thing you're not. You're not a sinner if you're in Jesus Christ, staying steadfast in him. Why? Because a sinner cannot be righteous. Those are two different things, oil and water. You can't be a sinner. You can't be righteous at the same time. So either God calls you sinner and you accept his identity, or you try to have false humility before the throne of God and say, God, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But God says, I didn't call you that. Where did you get that from? Not one verse in the New Testament calls you a sinner saved by grace. If anything, when the Bible calls you a sinner, it's a representation to show who you were before you received Jesus Christ. But when you came to Jesus Christ, you had an identity change. The only sinful part that you think that you have is your flesh, because that's still from the first Adam, but your spirit has been renewed because the Holy Spirit lives inside of it. Your mind is in the process of being transformed. Romans chapter 12, verse two, which it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world and be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So your mind, the way that God is dealing with your mind is transforming it by the Holy word of God, but your flesh, he gave you a solution for it that you don't really like. He said, crucify it, pick up your cross, follow him. And by that, it's possible for you to defeat the sin nature. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says so. It says, walk in the spirit and you will not satisfy the lust, the deeds of the flesh, the works of the flesh. Very important, guys. Many references in the New Testament by Apostle Paul, by Jude, by many of the many authors in the New Testament refer to Christians as saints. 
What is a saint? Someone recognized as holy. Someone recognized as going to heaven when they die. Is that not you? Are you not recognized as holy that we just read in Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 where it says you are holy and blameless and above, and above reproach because that's how Jesus presents you before God the Father? Not because of what you did, but because of what he did. Kirby, but I don't feel holy. Listen to this. God called the Mount Sinai in the Old Testament holy. Did the mountain do any good works of righteousness for it to earn that position? Did the mountain do any sinful works of righteousness to be disqualified for that position? Or did the mountain get called holy just because it was set apart and belonged to God where the presence of God rested on that mountain. If it's because the presence of God rested on that mountain, doesn't the presence of the Holy Spirit rest in you? So aren't you holy? Yes, you are. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Apostle Paul goes into depth, where he starts speaking about the rewards. He speaks about gold, silver precious stone and then he says wood hay and stubble and then he goes into a really important part of scripture where he talks about the temple of god and he says that anybody who destroys the temple of god god will destroy because the temple of god is holy and then he says that you are that temple collectively you christians we are the body of christ if we are the if we are the body of christ if the head is holy is not the body holy as well do you know what we call parts in someone's body that tries to grow its own identity we call it tumors it's trying to grow out of conformity to the head and the rest of the body and many times that's what we do when we have like a sense of humility false humility that be, albeit where we don't call ourselves what god calls us multiple times in scripture apostle paul refers to us as saints Jude refers to us as saints. In the beginning of the letters in Rome, the beginning of the letters in, in Ephesians, or even parts in Hebrews, Hebrews 3, verse, uh, Hebrews 13, verse 3, I believe, or Hebrews 3, verse 13, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sorry, Hebrews 3, verse 1, if I'm not mistaken, where they refer to Christian brethren, saying to the holy saints, to the saints of God, um, do not do this because it's not becoming of saints. And it emphasizes over and over and over our identity but many christians nowadays have this false sense of humility in their language saying i'm not a saint if a person were to stand up in front of a crowd of believers and say i'm holy i'm a saint i'm righteous many people would be ready to throw that person out as a heretic saying that you're prideful you're boastful you're arrogant because many people don't test the fruit they don't test the spirit they don't test to see if what he's saying is measuring up to the word because they're thinking that he's saying i am and you're not but what if someone stood up on the crowd and said we are holy. We are saints. Why is identity so important, Kirby? I'll tell you. Because if you don't know your identity, you will live just like the world. A child who does not grow up into maturity has the same ability as a slave. Oh, gosh. I just quoted scripture, guys. That's Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. Where it talks about how a child, as long as he remains immature and as a child, he's no different than a slave. He doesn't know how to go his, his, his own way. He doesn't know how to use his rights. In the same manner, a blind person in prison and a blind person in freedom both have the same problem. They're both blind. Meaning a worldly person before they receive Christ 
and don't know their identity and a Christian person after they receive Christ and don't know their identity, they both have the same problem and they both struggle with the same addictions. Their problems look the same. Their sin patterns look the same. Their desires and lusts look the same. Why? Because they don't know. The person who's free doesn't know, doesn't see clearly who they are. People say, oh, Kirby, we're all going to struggle with sin. No, the Bible doesn't promise that. Now, the Bible says that anyone who said that he doesn't have sin, he's a liar. Meaning that we all may slip, we all may stumble, but that doesn't mean that we're all going to fall. That doesn't mean that we're all going to live into what some people call a so-called backsliding season. No, not at all. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke that because that's not scriptural. God says that he will heal you of, his, of, of your backsliding. God said that he will take the heart of stone out and give you a heart of flesh. God said that he'll put his spirit within you and cause you to obey his commands. So that means now as a Christian, if you know your identity, you need to live it out. There's a parable in Creole that says an eagle that's raised around chickens will think that it's weird because it can fly. What does that mean? If you as a Christian are an eagle, but you're surrounded by chickens and you never find that moment, that aha moment of identity where, you know, wait, I'm an eagle. I don't run around and I don't cluck and I don't macaque and I don't fly. I, I, I don't I don't jump and then land back down. I fly. I soar. I'm literally a beast. Like I'm literally when I say beast, I mean like I'm literally an, an amazing creature. But because the eagle is surrounded by the chickens, the eagle will act like a chicken. And imagine a Christian nowadays whose identity has changed into an eagle. But every time you ask them, they, they say, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. That's just like an eagle. Anytime you ask the eagle, what are you? And the eagle says, I'm a chicken, I'm a chicken, I'm a chicken. No, you're not. That's called delusion. That's called lack of identity. That's called ignorance. And as a believer, you aren't called to ignorance. You're called to light because God is not an author of confusion. So if God calls you his child, no, God is angry with the wicked every day. So God doesn't see you as a sinner if he can call you his child. The Bible says that he gave you the spirit of adoption by which you cry out, Abba, Father. If you're able to call God Father now, there has to be a change. And Peter said the change this way. Peter said, and let's go into 1 Peter chapter 2. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, guys. Amen. The Bible says. <laughs> it's funny. I wanted to uh, chapter one. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are. Listen to me. I'm speaking to you. The Bible says that you are a chosen generation. Oh, but I'm not special. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're chosen. Why? Because you're in Christ Jesus. Did you think that you could come to Christ Jesus just on your own? Did Jesus not say that all that the Father gives me will come to me? And Jesus said in John chapter 6 that no one can come to me unless the Father first draws him. So if you're in Christ now, do you think that you brought yourself here or did God draw you here? And if you were drawn here, are you just a regular person like you claim to be? Am I saying be prideful? No. Am I saying be boastful? No. But I'm saying step into identity because the devil knows who you are. But sometimes you don't. 
And that's the reason why when you try to cast something out, that's the reason why when you try to pray something away, that's the reason why when you're asking God for things, you don't ask God as a child, you, because of your lack of identity, you ask God as if you're begging. I'm sorry, I don't want to judge anyone, but many Christians are like that. And it's not biblical. I love you, but I have to tell you the truth. The Bible says you're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You know what priests do? Priests represent God before people and represent people before God. They intercede. They're mediators. They come in the gap. They stand in the gap for others. That's the reason why the Bible says that you have the ministry of reconciliation. You and I. It says you're his own special people. Uh-oh. The Bible calls you a special people. Don't go into false humility. Don't delight in false humility because that is legalism. And that's not rooted in what the word of God says. That's rooted in tradition. Just like how the Bible says in Isaiah 29 verse 13. That these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And the fear of me is taught by the commandment of men. They're not fearing me because of who they know I am. They're fearing me because they see what other people are doing. And because of that, they're just imitating what other people are doing. Some people, they just hear hallelujah. So they say hallelujah. It says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness, out of darkness, out of darkness. You're not in darkness. You're out of darkness into his marvelous light. Sinners are still in darkness. You are out of darkness. You are in a marvelous light. Not only are you in the marvelous light, the Bible says that you are the light of the world. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five. Step in identity, guys. The Bible says that Peter said that we're not born of corruptible seed anymore. Why? The first Adam, because of his loins and his sin that he caused us to be born from. We were born of corruptible seed with this physical flesh. You see the flesh that you have on your physical body? It has its own desires and its desires are always in a struggle at enmity with God. But because of Jesus Christ, our blessed Lord and Savior, he gave us a new identity because he's the second Adam. So the same way that the first Adam condemned everyone and made everyone sinners, the second Adam made everyone righteous who believes and adheres to him. And that's the simple gospel truth. So let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for every person listening to this, each and every single one of us. I pray, Father, that your presence touches them while they listen to this message, whether it be playing it again, Father God, or where, whether it just be them meditating on what they've learned today, Father. I pray that you help us to get into a deeper level and a deeper sense of identity so that when we speak to you, we're not begging like beggars, but we're speaking like children. Help us to understand you, Father. Although there is time for supplication, help us to know that you are our loving Father and it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Father, your word tells us that Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Your word said in Acts chapter 10 that Jesus went around doing good, healing all those oppressed of the devil. It didn't say some, it said all, meaning it is your will, Father God. Many times, Father, because we don't know our identity, it reflects on you. That means we don't know you, Father. We don't know who you made us to be. So we pray in ways that we show that we don't know you, Father. But I pray that you show us a deeper level and a deeper revelation of who you are in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for this grace. Thank you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. So, guys, let's close with this. Remember who you are in Jesus. Thank you.
if you want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is Kirby the Servant. And I want to bless you guys all in the name of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace. <laughs> give you peace. The shalom of the Lord. Nothing missing and nothing broken.